and in my home, every day is overseas. G'day everybody, welcome to the Expedition Kayaks podcast. My name's Mark Sundin. Our podcast is all things ocean paddling, adventures on the sea and uh, even occasionally on a river. And I'll be joined occasionally by my business partner and buddy, Rob Mercer, to chat about what we get up to and what our mates get up to. Tonight's episode is pretty cool, actually. It involves uh, five, five people, Trevor, Joe, Jackie, Ollie, and Simon, uh, a, a quintet who'd never paddled much before at all and uh, who decided they wanted to paddle across Bass Strait. Uh, they came to see us uh, late in 2020 and asked us how. We thought they had a fantastic attitude. And this is the tale of how they went from zero, pretty much, to um, taking on a, a body of water with a, a justifiably fierce reputation for uh, for any mariner, let alone uh, us people in our tiny little kayaks. I hope you enjoy the tale. A pallet of colours, they wash across the skyline. Mm, they never the same. Okay, folks, I'm joined this evening here in, uh, in Joe and uh, Jackie's house by uh, Joe McNamara and Trevor Potts. Two fellas who walked into our uh, store in October. Yep. Yeah, October. October, and told me they were quite uh, interested in paddling across Bass Strait quite soon. Um, well, I think we lied to you. I think we said we were willing. We were we were thinking about doing it in twelve months' time, but we knew we wanted to do it this year. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, I sort of said, "Yeah, look, it's a fair old uh, fair old goal to have," and they look like a couple of fit fellas. And uh, personally, I love, love it when people wander in and tell us they want to do an adventure. So we had a bit of a chat and uh, so began their whirlwind odyssey to, uh, to cross Bass Strait, the, 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 the body of water with a fearsome reputation between the southern tip of the Australian mainland and Tasmania. So what made you fellas think that was a good idea when you had really never done much paddling at all ever before? Well, I think it was... I think it was Trevor was the ringleader initially. I think Trevor had an idea that he was going to do it with a couple of his mates. And um, Ollie got wind of it first, didn't he? You must have filled Ollie in at some point. Ollie's a, like a full-blown trail-running adventure guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a maniac. The, the yeah. guy ran, ran from Sydney to Newcastle for fun, like not for a charity, not for race, just for shits and giggles. Just, and then he ran just a, instead of driving. Yeah, and then he ran a double marathon for charity, like of eighty-two k's up a hill, back down a hill from Newcastle. Like, mm. yeah, he's yeah. Not many, uh, not many challenges. I think will get past that bloke. No. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm. <laughs> I think I realised about halfway through the trip how the actual idea originated, and one of my um, one of my schoolmates and I have done a couple of trips together, and. Uh, and he's been at me to try and paddle across the English Channel for, for a couple of years, paddle from London to Paris, which obviously by scale of what we've done here, it's nothing. Um, but uh, I was always just sort of on the eared on the cautious side purely for logistics and all of the other challenges involved. And then... Uh, it's and a very long way to go for a 37-kilometre paddle. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I sort of... Uh, and then I think we were sort of... 
we were chatting one night and then I sort of we sort of were talking about trying to find something nearer to home to do and then sort of somehow sort of stumbled across on Google while I was chatting sort of that people paddled across Bass Strait and um, I didn't even uh, I had no idea there was even islands in the middle of Bass Strait at all I just thought it was just this big massive uh, gap of water similar to what you have between Australia and New Zealand and so um, and then once it sort of was realised that it's something people do and uh, and then it kind of started as an idea and that we both said, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it and did absolutely nothing about it for about six months um, as you do with these great ideas and then, uh, and then yeah, run, sort of happened to, uh, to overhear Ollie talking about, a, talking about a kayaking thing and then we started chatting and then he was in and then he goes, and I had a mate and he had a mate who were keen and then we sort of continued to, continued to chat over probably another couple of week period and then uh, lo and behold, Joe was that mate and then... Uh, and then it was quickly decided that we we're going to have a, we're going to try and do this. Well, Joe was half in, not really sort of said, "Oh, let me know what the details are, and I'll and I'll decide." And uh, and then we sort of the sort of quickly decided that the first thing we needed to do was actually get ourselves some kayaks because we none of us had kayaks. I think I've got a couple of old crappy surf skis, but we sort of were we decided that was probably our first our first probably matter of urgency and. Uh, and went out, went around to a uh, a couple of different shops and paddled a few kayaks, and then uh, and then decided that saw this expedition kayaks down the Shire and started driving down there. And then I think we got closer, and I said, "Oh, Joe, can you look up the address?" And by the way, do you want to just check it's open? And, uh, and of course, it was it says it's closed. And I said, "Oh, just give him a call, just in case." Right. And uh, and sure enough, Mark answered the answered the phone and just said, oh, "I live around the corner. Sure, I'll." Uh, Come around, I'll meet you. I'll, yeah. I'll meet you there, and can we, uh, come, can we on you ten minutes away. And yeah. uh, and so I, I, I probably squarely blame the whole trip on you, really, because because mm-hmm. uh, we were uh, well, you've been there, and then and then we were probably only about sort of twenty or thirty percent in, and then we met you, and you told us how fucking how fantastic it was, and it was going to be great, and that this was the best thing you'd ever done, and you'd go and do it again tomorrow, and talked to us for about an hour and a half, and showed us around the shop, and showed us everything, and and Joe and I walked out of there just there, there was no way we're not doing the trip then. Yeah, and to be honest, coming up, before we met you, I um, I was expecting any any shop we spoke to or anyone we spoke to about it to tell us we were stupid, and that um, you know it was a five year plan, and if we we're thinking of doing it in six months time, we were crazy. So yeah, meeting you and coming into the shop and and um, hearing that it was actually possible, I think kind of set us on a course that we were definitely going to do it. And I do remember the night that Simon decided he was in. We were out at the pub. Um, after a running race or something and we just let's build a Simon that we were doing this thing and he just immediately said he was in so I think Simon if he'd come along I might not have been quite so uh, adamant about the athleticism of the entire trip no <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have thought yeah you folks will be fine I don't know about that guy though <laughs> the funny thing with Simon I, I, I only told him about the plans because I thought there was no way he was going to do it because there's no way Simon had spent that much money on anything <laughs> <laughs> he, when he joined our triathlon club, he used to come along in his ruggers, his footy shorts, and his um, and a t-shirt, you know. And the rest of us are in our lycra. So, um, yeah, I thought there was no way he was going to be in, but um, yeah, I think it was fear of missing out. And and, uh, and and I must say that I think of of the four of us, he probably is the the strongest, consistent performer. At the, at yeah. the end of the day, he like, was. Yeah, he was. He, he may not look like the the fittest athlete amongst us, but he was certainly uh, the a diesel engine. The, the diesel yeah. engine that just just kept pumping. Yeah. So we, Rob, I, I told Rob about you guys. We're Mark, Rob Mercer, obviously, my business partner. And he said, oh, yeah, triathletes, sure, you know, 
they, 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 what do they suppose they want a safety boat, do they? You know, and, and it's everything organised. And I said, no, no, I actually reckon, I actually reckon they've got a fair old sense of adventure. Because you and Jackie were planning a London to Sydney bike ride or something. Well, yeah, we were going to, we were going to try and cycle from um, Singapore to, to the UK. And we were going to be doing that starting in November last year. Right. But um, COVID happened and the world shut down. So I was kind of left without any, any big plans or any adventure coming up. So this was, that's why this was such an awesome, awesome thing for me. Short term, big goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I guess we ordered some boats reasonably quickly because you guys told us there was a two to three month wait. Yep. Um, so we didn't muck around. We ordered boats and then, and then asked how we got, how we learned how to paddle. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah. must say that it was. Uh, I, I think we. I think we met you on the Saturday. I think I called you on the Tuesday and said we're buying boats. We're going to buy what we want. We're keen. And I think you said, "Hold up! Before you do that, you need to take us take it for a paddle, and you need to uh, go for a session with Rob." And so, um, and I think we mm. caught up with Rob. I think on the Thursday or something, and uh, and uh, and went for our first paddle in the Audax, and, uh, and that was uh, that was great. That sort of that was sort of Rob. Rob and you were like chalk and cheese, and uh, it was, uh, <laughs> which, but I think it works perfectly for your for your dynamic and for the for the business. It was sort of yeah. he's just so sort of he was so thorough and so detailed and so, so but just and, and so patient with uh, with with every single finite detail of how we um, how we how we yeah communicates to you and gets things across. And so it's a uh, it, really easy to sort of to just sp- be a sponge and just absorb as much information as you can of him. So yeah. Well, I mean, back in the old days, if you started off like that, they'd send you off to a whitewater course to learn how to roll and learn how to brace and do all these technical skills. But personally, I think if you want to do that as a short-term goal, the best thing to do is learn how to paddle. Hmm. Paddle fast, actually. Yeah, well, the idea from you guys was to go and learn how to surf ski. So we, um, we, we, we started surf skiing a few times a week throughout October, November, in December and started coming out for a few uh, Jackie and I came for a few yeah. Wednesday morning paddles with you guys right. um, at Dolls Point and um, just tried to get some time on the water but yeah the, and we did the um, we did some we did one rolling course with Rob or one rolling day each with Rob and then we did the, the intensive two day yeah. two day session yeah. down at Bundina which was awesome um, but yeah you, you guys were um, yeah can't thank you guys enough for I guess the the through that, I guess that period while we waited for our boats, we made the, the support of always turning up with kayaks for us, always sort of borrowing like borrowing bits and pieces just to sort of get us across the line. So obviously acknowledging that we had a, a big challenge in a, ahead of us, mm-hmm. but it, we weren't going to. Uh, you guys weren't going to let sort of gear and and, and equipment and, and sort of and and, up, and I guess access to the water be a be a constraint or be an inhibitor. So mm-hmm. um, well, that that big two day training weekend. That was the one where Rob and I were waiting to watch what would happen because we got some pretty live conditions that weekend, mm. you know. And we were just, we thought it was hilarious that we took you a couple of k's out to sea just as a big squall came through. It really yeah. st- started to stand up, and suddenly you're all saying, Oh, I'm going to try my roll, I'm going to try this, <laughs> falling in everywhere, pissing yourselves, <laughs> laughing, uh, falling out, getting back in, having, I think, I think I counted. Ollie having about eight attempts at a roll before he ran out of the air. And he's, he's, de- he's pretty yeah, determined, we, we actually, I was a little worried I was going to go along and just pull him out of the thing and stop him from doing it. And, uh, yeah, the wholehearted effort at uh, just tearing into that weekend. Um, 
And then I think, you know, Rob especially had, took a little bit of convincing. And I think at the back end of that weekend, I was like, wow, mate, how could we, how could we discourage these guys? They're, they've got a great attitude. And I think it does come down to attitude. I mean, some of these challenges, you know, I don't think I'd be going to climb the north face of the Eiger anytime soon off, off six months preparation. Yeah. It could probably be done, but the consequences are quite severe if it doesn't work. Um, whereas I think Eastern Bass Strait with all those islands, achievable distances, um, whilst it's always been a... I heard someone call it the Everest of the sea the other day, and I'm not quite sure about that. I don't know how you guys feel about it now that you've been out there, but it is a, it's a cool paddle. No, it was a great, it was a great thing to do. I, I, yeah, yeah. We don't. I guess we don't feel like we've com- conquered the Everest to the sea, but it was a it was certainly an awesome thing to do. I think I think there was certainly something that I think you said to us early on. It's that that you could paddle Bass Strait as a complete lake if you had enough time and you sat on each island long enough. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really valid point. It's it's essentially just sort of if you if you plan if you plan and you're following the forecast and you're looking at what's going on and you sort of you can and you sort of structure your trip, then you then you you can get a I guess a a, a reasonably sort of safe trip across without sort of putting yourself into crazy danger. Like I think the fact that you you get to sleep on land every night, whether it be a little island or ever, just means that you can sit out and wait for the right conditions to come, provided you've got enough food and provisions, and uh, and don't lose your sanity in the meantime. Mm. So yeah, time's essential. Um, so considering you hadn't done any sea biking at all. What did you think of it when you got into it? Before you, just the training and the, the just the, because you went off down the south coast. I know you and Jackie went and did, came into the office and said, where shall we go? And I said, well, and I was trying to be conservative. And then I'm starting to remember all the surf landings and launches and I said, well, you can go from here to here, but you'll probably lose a bit of skin getting in and out off the beaches every night. Um, just depends on, anyway, you know, your attitude. And sure enough, there's all these photos of you. We had a great time. Yeah. We, um, we basically explored all the coast between Jarvis Bay and Batemans Bay. Yeah. We, um, which is awesome. Which was really, really good. And Jackie only got scared once. We, well, Jackie's maybe, here. Maybe more than once. <laughs> yeah, Jackie's here. What do you think, Jackie? This is Jackie, who was part of the crew to begin with. Oh, for, me it was, um, for me, it was just a question of... Um, yeah, learning as much as I could, but probably never going to make it to the start line. But it was fun learning. And you gave it a good shot. <laughs> yeah, and I'll and I'll be back, like trying other things. Broughton Island was the best. Broughton Island is amazing, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Yeah, Broughton Island's a beautiful island off the coast of uh, Port Stephens in sort of central New South Wales, off the coast, and it's uh, like a Hebridean island. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, but I think, yeah, getting into it, I mean, you guys gave us some advice that we needed to, um, we needed to be able to paddle 40Ks in one stretch, you know, 20Ks out to sea, 20Ks back. So we made that the thing we worked towards, you know, we we went on some coastal paddles from, we did DY up into the Hawkesbury once and, and then back the next day and we did out from New Minor a few times out to sea. Lake Conjola to Sussex Inlet yeah. and then back out of Sussex Inlet back to Lake Conjola and yeah, so we, we did some... I think it was good that we early on did some overnighters, like sort of do the paddle 20, 25, 30K, camp the night, get used to sort of packing a boat full of full of all your camping gear and what you need to take and what you didn't need and then mm. packing it all back in the next morning and getting up and paddling 25K when you're, when you're a bit stiff and you haven't slept well and those sorts of things were uh, 
were were essential, and then and then it was just about getting the uh, once we sort of felt we were sort of we're cut, we we knew how to camp out of a kayak. It was sort of just getting the k's in really then, and, and it was just the the weekends of just doing forty, just as you say, going out and doing sort of forty k's on a Saturday, and, and sort of doing six or seven hours out in, in some pretty. I think we had pretty much every weekend that we went out, and all those was all sort of two three meter swells and yeah. sort of. Tw- 20 sort of 15 20 25 knots and just absolutely horrible and i, I remember doing the trainings especially off your minor and i'm just going there's nothing fun and enjoyable about this at all <laughs> like this is just overcast shitty it's raining on us it's just miserable i can't even see the coast i got i'm just looking at ocean and uh and just yeah and and craving the days that are that that all this training was over and we were paddling around some nice islands either in the Bass Strait or I could just go back to uh, to harbour paddling. It was, um, yeah, there was it, it sort of certainly, um, but but we all keep turning up and kept doing the Ks and kept pushing and pushing and that was sort of the the, the key, I think. We, we all sort of felt like we, there was obviously a bit of anxiety about going into a trip where you're going to be paddling back-to-back 50-plus kilometre days and things, but... Um, but we sort of, you could confidently say that you were as prepared as you could be, which is probably comes from, I guess, our, like we're all triathletes and that's sort of our... Yeah, I was going to ask, how, how does that background prepare you for multi-day endurance? I think it's completely different muscle groups. So I don't think, I don't think there's <laughs> yeah. any benefit at all from muscle groups, but I think, um, I think the mindset of going out and, and cycling for six, seven hours and just knowing you keep going, knowing how to pace yourself a little bit and also just... Knowing you can get up the next day and go again, that's I think that's all that's all it is. And I think also it's this, it's a, I guess it's like preparing for any sporting event like that. You, you turn up on race down a triathlon and you, and you sort of and if you know you've 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 trained to your plan, you've done everything you possibly can, then you sort of then you can relax and just enjoy the day, I guess, as opposed to if you start turn up on race down, you go, well, I don't think I did enough cycling, I didn't do enough running, I did enough swimming. Then it's then you're going to be a bit sort of going to suffer, going to suffer, and now. Yeah, I think I think it's worth mentioning that none of us are elite athletes. We're 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 pretty much just club level triathletes. You know, Ollie might be a little bit quicker than some of us, but I'm you know Simon and I are certainly middle middle of the, middle maybe middle se- second quarter of the club, of the field. Club you know. triathletes. Yeah, we're not we're not right up the front or anything. Yeah, so, um, I think the other thing I realised during our training was that. Um, that both you, Mark, and Rob had put a lot of emphasis on learning good paddling technique, yeah. and and I think the focus on on learning how to do good good forward paddling, which it kind of forces you into it, learning on a surf ski, and then watching each other and really trying to make sure we, we picked each other up and we kept improving made all the difference. I think we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been getting faster and faster through our training if we if we were reinforcing shit technique. So yeah, and, and the and the speed just like the. And you said to me, "Don't watch, don't don't, don't follow your watch. Just pa- focus on tech, focus on tech." And it was amazing how quickly the speed and that came out. Mm. Like yeah. a, it was in a matter of basically a two week period where it went from sort of just working really hard at the technique and sort of not having much boat speed to suddenly mm. boat speed just coming and it all kind of just flowing. And, and then, um, like I remember some of those. Well, there was one afternoon session where we paddled up to Lane Cove and back as a, as I think the three of us, you, me, and yeah. Simon, and. Uh, and we came back and we paddled 18 k's or eight and a half k's in sub two hours or something. And we were yeah. going, how'd that, oh, wow, how'd that happen? That didn't even yeah. feel like a hard paddle. That just sort of yeah. kind of just happened. And uh, yeah, uh, the advantage you always had was that you didn't have any baggage with your paddling strokes. Mm. And 
being able to show you how to do it absolutely right from the beginning and with your with your background in in relying on technique for your swimming I'm sure I'm sure there's a technique to riding yeah. a bike and there's even a, you can even sharpen up your running gait if, if you want to right um, and that you know sea kayakers in particular tend to teach themselves first plonk away for a few years and then realise they're not going very fast or very well and then seek someone out to fix it and that's a pretty hard bit of surgery to do once someone has an established muscle memory whereas you guys had it down pat you know all five of you quite fast quite remarkable really how quickly you managed to actually get all your ducks in one line I think you're yelling and screaming at me every time I uh, <laughs> took a short stroke or paddled brought the paddle past my hip probably yeah. hands uh, probably, up Trev hands probably, up Trev where's your highs Trev so I still I still have nightmares <laughs> So the training session that stands out for me, and this, this will lead in nicely to our the actual trip, was was probably the last decent length paddle we did, and I reckon it was a couple of weeks before we went down down to Victoria, and it was blowing a thirty knot southerly in Sydney. And Simon, Trevor, and I decided we're going to go out for a paddle, but we hadn't figured out where yet. And Trevor had this idea that we should just paddle crosswind for for, for ten to fifteen k's from Iron Cove to as far as we could get, maybe to the heads, and then turn around and go back in the crosswind. So, so it was all, all in the harbour. So it was all All, all in the harbour. Like, nothing could go wrong in the harbour. But the plan was, no, to, no. Plan was to have nothing. the sails up the whole time. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I got a sore back from leaning out the side of the boat. I think I fell in two or three times. Simon fell in once or twice. I don't know how you didn't fall in, but your sail broke at one point. It was, um, it was a pretty hectic day. It was... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I love the. I love the. Uh, there was some some argument I think from 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 Simon saying, if we're gonna if we sail all the way down the harbour, we're not gonna be, we're gonna have to paddle against it on the way back. And I'm explaining, mate. No, the wind comes across you. You just sort of set the sail, and we're sailing across the wind. And uh, and much to his uh, much to his surprise, when we turned around and we sailed all the way back, he uh, I think I, think I was sort of won him over there. But uh, but no, it was a but that was a a really good. Just yeah, as I said, just going out on those grovelly, uncomfortable, ugly days where you wouldn't naturally go look out the window and go, "Oh, I'm going to put my kayak in the water and go for a paddle," because it's yeah, 40k an hour winds and, and sort of swell across the harbour and, and bucketing down with rain. But uh, but no, those those sort of days just end up being great fun and just a great experience and certainly sort of put us in, I guess, in a good mindset. I think just to, to for the trip. So um, you sort of there was no like I think there was even one of our one of the one of the one of the last sort of sessions was we started at, Co- at Coogee we put our boats in at the, at the south end of Coogee and paddled down to um uh was uh La Perouse um and it was like a three and a half nearly four meter swell and just big walls that we're just paddling up and down through these troughs and the wind is just roaring into our we we're just paddling straight into the wind and it was just so uncomfortable and, and uh but then we and then we turned around and um and I think we sort of, and we, and we all started catching waves, and it was all going well. And then I think, then, then I think we, a couple of us come unstuck, and it was sort of, sort of a quickly, a couple, quickly turn around and rescues and bits and pieces. But like, yeah. I, don't know, you, I don't know, you, you tell people that, oh yeah, we had to rescue each other a couple of times out there, and sort of in the swell, and people go, oh wow, like you know, he died, and that really, and it was like, no, no, that's just, that's just what happens. Like it's not, that's that's not the end of the world. Like that's just a part part and parcel of what we're doing. Like obviously. There's a fair bit of there's a bit of pride that's lost, but otherwise it's just that was just part of the journey. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, mountain climbers tend to lionise the soloist, 
and it creeps in a little bit to see kayaking as well. But to me, a hundred percent, it's a team sport. No, oh, we, you know, we, we talked about on the on the actual trip. We um, we've uh, Jackie and I realised um, while we're, while we're actually on Hogan Island that we've got a friend who um, who's done the Bass Strait. Uh, crossing on his own in 2002. Oh, okay. And he actually knows Rob. He um, he trained with Rob. He's that? Uh, Vince Browning. Oh, Vin- Vince the Invincible. Yeah. So he's Vince, he's a, Vince is a soloist. That's we, what I'm talking we, about. He's a mate of ours, and, and we <laughs> we, we kind of only just yeah we were at his wedding. We only kind of discovered that he'd done it when I was on Hogan, and Jackie visited them on her way back from dropping us in 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 at Port Osborne. Right. Um, and we we had a bit of a, a quite a long chat about it afterwards, and realised well I realised that. There's no way I'd want to do that on my own. And it's not because it's not because I don't think I could or it's possible. It's more that the what made it for me was the was doing it with mates. For me it was people say what was it like? And I'll say it was like the ultimate boys trip. I, I know it's it's probably a bit sexist, but it was the ultimate trip away. It was just yeah. awesome. And you know, we got to paddle while we were doing it, but Oh, most most definitely. And I and I think that we we had it we, our group was four and I think it was just the perfect number and the perfect there was like we could pair off. Mm. There was if there's something if if we had if something went wrong, there was always enough people to be able to do a rescue and also tow. There was the right dynamics that sort of there was never two on one in any discussion. It was just and there wasn't too big a group that you end up having to hurt each other or wait sort of thing. It was just sort of like a the and also I think that the just like a I don't know continuously the competitiveness of the of you three and because I'm not competitive at all. But uh, the competitive of the four of us was just was was what probably drove us through each day in the sense that it was just there was you just you didn't want to fall behind and then and then and everyone have to wait for you you didn't want to uh, you didn't want to be the one that was last no. out of bed you didn't want to be the one that sort of everything was just a was just a, was just a race and, and even even on um, even our rest day oh, it was a nightmare rest, rest like we had four we had four rest days on the trip and. I think the first rest day we decided to circumnavigate Hogan Island, which meant that we were climbing mountains and up and down hills and, and like completely like it's just all animal tracks. That's all that we're following, and so that was rest day one. And then rest day two, I think was spent spearfishing, and then we had to go on to the other side of the island and back for some other stupid reason. And then rest day four was oh let's go collect firewood and let's pack our boats and get ourselves ready for the well, rest day three sorry was get ready and then rest day four was on was a race up Strzelecki and it was a race up Strzelecki and race back down again and uh, like it was there at was some po- at some point during our climb up Strzelecki Ollie said we can crack the hour here <laughs> <laughs> he said I think there's a Strava segment <laughs> well I'll make one whatever either way. We got torn away from Pinot Noir and fresh kingfish to climb okay, the well, yeah. And we were all dark as dog shit, actually. I bet you were. Yeah. Except for Rob. Rob thought it was awesome. We all thought it was rubbish. <laughs> what, did he, what, what did Rob say? He said, you guys are all seal walruses or something. Seal walruses. Oh, he had a whole bunch of insults to aim at us that he thought would motivate us to climb it. And in the end, we didn't want him going up by himself. You know, Fair enough. Tore ourselves away from our ukulele playing and our... <laughs> and our fine Tasmanian wine and our beautiful freshly caught bass straight kingfish and up we went past the tiger snakes and the uh, you know all that stuff so getting to the getting to the actual trip mm-hmm. oh, before, we, that, that before we tell everyone about <laughs> half of it in advance yeah you had some unbelievable weather leading up to it um, mm. so bass straight's a place where the bad weather comes from the west it absolutely fires in from the western the southern ocean funnels through this 
200 kilometre wide gap between Australia, mainland and Tasmania, and the westerlies are ferocious. And every bad story about Bass Strait pretty much in history is about a westerly that got you. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you guys had phenomenal easterlies <laughs> doing the same thing. And time booked, holidays booked, or how did that all work? Yeah, well, we, we kind of, we managed to put our accommodation and our, our leave back a few days, but it didn't stop us from being stuck down there for over a week. And, um, you know, we had a bit of fun during that week, but I was I was getting itchy feet by the end of it. I mean, we went, we went hiking a few times down in... Um, in Port Welshpool? Uh, we got we went hiking down near Tidal River down in down oh, on the prom, and it was right. fantastic. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, we, do, we were basically stuck at Welshpool for yeah. a, for a week. Yeah, and I think that the the issue was that the more days we spent there, the more things we kept buying that we needed for the trip. <laughs> we did. And uh, and so by the time we'd spent, well, you guys had spent a week, and I'd spent about four or five days there. Uh, at the yeah, the boat packing on the on the second last oh. day was uh, was was horrendous to realise. <laughs> I think I think poor Jackie. I think drove back with half a car full of Ollie's new uh, new belongings and uh, and purchases, and uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, and it was just kind of a little bit difficult for the motivation side. I think because we'd we'd sort of we our boats had gone down. We'd sort of turned up down there. We it was the conditions were were undesirable to even just go for a bit of a paddle. And I think on the the, the yeah. last then the last day before we left, I'd like I. I said, I haven't been in my boat in a week. I've just got to go and paddle. I don't care what the conditions are. I just need to sort of just got to just got to sort of lock this in to make sure that I that convince myself that I can still paddle because uh, it was all kind of yeah, all kind of starting to become a bit of a worry that the fitness, the all the training we did, it sort of started to, gonna, was going to start wearing away and disappear. So Port Welshpool isn't exactly St Kilda either. It was well. Uh, the, the one good thing was that the pub apparently we found out is only open from Thursdays till Saturday or Thursday till Sunday. Right. So, you know, we were almost dry from Monday to Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, and I must say that I turned up to Port Walshpool and it was yeah miserable weather for like four or four days or something. Rain but and easterlies. Rain and easterlies, and then the uh, the day we left was just blue sky and a perler. And I looked around, looked around at the town again, and went. This place is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, why would anyone want to leave? Yeah. Was like, yeah, we'd wasted all those uh, all those horrible days. But mm. so the Bass Strait crossing starts at Port Welshpool. It's about forty five k's or so down the the um, eastern side of Wilson's Promontory, which is a hell of a place just to have a look at anyway. Um, and then you set up. Um, I'm assuming you went to Refuge Cove. Yep. Yeah, and there's your staging post for the first crossing. Yeah. I've- we warned you about the water along that eastern side of Welshpool. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. The day we went, we had um, we had an absolute cracking trip um, out the port and then through the heads and then down the coast. We we actually hugged the coast all the way down. Um, there's a little little boat channel or yacht channel. Yeah, about 50, 50 meters off the beach that we'd sort of we'd yeah. spoken to. We'd befriended uh, some yachties in the uh, in Port Welshpool and they told us all about this boat channel and uh, oh, really? and so there's a yeah deep channel that all the little boats just hit, hug the beach. Basically, yeah, you, you're sort of about fifty meters from the beach the whole way and just paddling down in, in deep water and uh, and because yeah the waves sort of well, if there was any swell but we we we. Uh, we fortunately had it just a just a magical day. It was sort of a it was a still was probably about a eight knot sort of westerly, which is not much, but it was just sort of blown off the top, over the over the mountain of the prom, and then uh, and and yeah, just sort of we were just gliding along and sort of stopped and had a nice lunch on on Rabbit Island, and then uh, and then kept paddling on to refuge. We thought this is 
how good is this trip? This is going to be fantastic. It's just, awesome. This is just, I could, I could handle doing this every day. And uh, So you're sitting on the beach at Refuge Cove that evening, I'm assuming, and you're staring out at that first crossing, which is 55 kilometres thereabouts to Hogan Island, due east of where you are. Yep. Um, on the beach the next morning in your boats, ready to rock. First big, serious ocean crossing on Bass Strait. How'd that all, how'd that feel? Yeah, I think there was a bit of apprehension, I guess, because we that was well, 46 k's to get there was the biggest longest paddle any of us had ever done yeah it was <laughs> and then uh, and then to know we're getting up the next day to paddle the next like to paddle longer again um mm. and across open ocean so that was there was a bit of apprehension and there was a bit of um we'd we'd climbed up to the headland that afternoon and got on telstra rock and got some phone reception and sort of looked at the forecast and it wasn't sort of a i think it was sort of just on two meters swell and it was sort of just under 20 knots and sort of we'd all said, well, if it gets over 20 knots, that's probably we won't go because it's well outside of our, where we'd sort of pre-set our limits for the trip. For a tailwind, yeah. For a tailwind. And the, but well, we'd, we'd pre-set before we went and we said 12 knots was going to be our limit, but, but it was 20 knots tail. And we went, well, that's probably going to just blow us there quicker. So we're willing to do up to 20, but if we went over 20, we wouldn't go. But uh, I think that we, well, we didn't, uh, we we didn't. None of us bothered to climb back up to Telstra Rock the next morning to uh, to get an updated forecast. Um, yeah, they got a bit bigger, I think. And uh, it yeah. certainly uh, it certainly turned it on a bit more than what was the forecast. But uh, but I think that probably this probably Joe can probably handle this bit. But the the first night of camping, uh, Simon uh, Simon introduced a, a, a oh, family heirloom. Yeah. Yeah, so Simon told us on the first day that he had a family heirloom that he was bringing on the trip with him, and that it'd be a surprise. For the first night, that's a nice it, touch. It was. It really was. It was we thought history. we thought it was going to be something really special and dear to his heart. Cameo from yeah. New Zealand in the eighteen fifties or something. And um, and it was a family heirloom that had been in the family for about about a month, I think. Um, and it was a it was about a twelve inch long um, rubber sex toy that he brought with him. And, and <laughs> basically, the way it worked was uh, every day there'd be a dick of the day award in the evening um, given out over dinner, and the person who'd won it the day before would give it out, and it was to be given to someone who'd who'd just done something really silly or really, you know... Really made a dick of themselves. Made a dick of themselves in some way during the day, so... Um, well, yeah. I, well, I think Ollie was, the, Ollie was the recipient that evening because he, uh, he managed to... We managed to paddle 46 kilometres all the way to Refuge Cove and, uh, and on the beach landing, which, which wasn't much of a beach landing, but still a little bit of a swell there... Ollie had uh, had completely relaxed and uh, and managed to capsize his boat in about twelve inches of water, and uh, much to the uh, much to the entertainment of all the yachties and, and everyone and, who was and there, people who were standing yeah. around. Um, so uh, <laughs> and to, and to our obviously our delight uh, once we knew it was okay. Well, probably before we knew it was okay, but yeah. definitely after we knew it was okay. But uh, yeah, no. So uh, so that, I think that earned him the, uh, the 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 award for the next day, and uh, and and he proudly. Uh, Proudly stuck it to the outside of his boat for the uh, for the how, following day. How do you stick it to the outside of your boat? Oh, it's, it's rubberized with a suction cap on one end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you tuck it under a deck rope just to be sure. Um, if anyone's approaching, well, it's yeah. not part of your group, I suppose. I, I can't imagine what the offence would be if you'd lost it. Like it would have been pretty bad. <laughs> um, but that that second day, we I think we set off. We set off uh, half an hour before sunrise ish, and we had yeah, a six a.m. launch, which yeah, was yeah. Uh, and we had um, we had just had really nice conditions as we set off, didn't we? It was really you know we put the sails up once we were a few k's offshore, 
and um, watch the sunrise. It was spectacular. Mm. But I, I guess think that's that, where, and that's where you, I think your photo, the photo, the famous photo that's made into the uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald and around oh, us yeah. is the is yeah. the is the sunrise with the sail with the sails up and us just sort of gliding across Bass Strait and making it look easy. We had a couple of hours of that, and um, and I don't know. I'm guessing, but maybe we're 20, 30 k's in when it started to really pick up, and um, I think Ollie fell out of his boat and. We, uh, we rescued him, got him back in, and then put our sails down because it just kept getting bigger and bigger from there. And I think at one point it might have got to about two and a half metres, maybe three of swell. And and I think that, I think the, the, well, the main thing was probably that there was swell from three different yeah. directions. I think there was the main swell, which was two and probably over two metres, and then there was two sort of, there was a secondary swell and a third swell, mm-hmm. and, and they were both around the metre mark or metre and a half to two metre mark as well. And so, it's a real confluence, isn't it? That at, section at, at the bottom end of the, of the mainland, the Wilson's Promontory has a huge effect on the wind and the waves. And you just, you just get them, every now and again, they'll just start crashing on you from, <clears> and from the side, and you're not, you're not expecting yeah. it. It's just yeah, it's just a, a, a slog of that you're, you're paddling along and suddenly sort of one hits you from the right and turns the turns the boat sort of off to the left mm. and then you're sort of paddling to bring the boat back around and then suddenly you get hit from the left and, and sort of then you bring it back around and then suddenly you get picked up and you and you're hooking in down the face of a wave just going how good's this and sort of yahooing and enjoying it and then suddenly you run straight into the back of another wave or or get bounced sideways and come to a standstill mm. and then you've got to get going again with another sort of six or seven strokes because mm. at that point. We've got sort of 23 litres of water on board, got completely stocked up with three weeks worth of food and all the camping gear. Like, yeah, not much, uh, there's, there's not much sort of boat above the water line. Yeah. Um, but, you, but you'd seen that stuff going out with Rob and his eccentric bunch on a Tuesday yeah. night off Sydney Heads and the rebound and the bounce, you know? You'd yeah. seen that stuff before, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it's, it's obviously different when you're, on a, when you're on an expedition and you're completely loaded up and, uh, and, 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 and land is sort of 20 or 30 k's behind you and land is another 20 or 30 k's in front of you and you're uh yeah. and it's yeah like it's a and there's just and there's just you and three mates and sort of and that's it kind of thing like i think it's a um it was yeah like it was i think like i think we're all sort of agree it wasn't there was certainly no point that we felt like that we were sort of gonna die or that we were in danger of drowning or anything like that but it was just uncomfortable. Like it was just a, there was there was some thrill and enjoyment. I think for the first yeah, period, was. and then uh, and then it just sort of kept, and then and then it kind of just kept continued to progress and get worse. And then I think we, uh, I think there was a there was a short period there where we where we saw where we we got lo- got sight of, uh, of of Hogan Island, and that sort of instantly sort of felt a bit better. And yeah, it lifts your spirits a bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Even even I guess you you're still following your compass and you sort of knew you're going the right way, but it's just something about seeing land and the knowing that there is land that you're going to get to and it's there. Um, certainly lifted spirits and made it easy to paddle for about the next ten k's, um, and then uh, and then and then and then the the wind ca- the rain came in and, uh, and it just we lost it. We yeah. lost it. Just disappeared <laughs> and uh, and so we're. So yeah, so suddenly now you're in rain, and you and you're still copping the swell from three directions, and the wind's sort of about sort of sort of 20, 20, 20 to twenty five knots, and sort of yeah, nearly fifty k an hour behind you, and you're just sort of getting uh, and you yeah, like you. The thing I kind of found strange was like the wind was so hard that you could actually feel it on the paddle, like the, the wind was actually grabbing the paddle on the back, yeah. and so like so you like so it kind of really meant you had to be really sort of consider it to even how you held your paddle when you were trying to get something or when you're trying yeah. to do something like it was there was yeah like all of your senses were absolutely at, at, at max kind of thing just trying to sort of stay stay level stay in the boat sort of 
keep making progress, trying to sort of keep an eye on each other, like sort of following, trying to keep to the compass. Like there was just a, a lot going on for, for a really sort of, for a long period of time there. And then uh, as you say, there was a couple of sort of, a couple of fall-ins and a couple of rescues and sort of, um, and then, we're, yeah, and sort of pumping boats out and sort of, and yeah, just, um, just, just snotty kind of, yeah, snotty kind of conditions. Yeah, interestingly, that was the last day any of us capsized was day two. Um, that was yeah that didn't, was... didn't happen again after that and I think um, yeah we had a little bit of a sketchy moment for the last few Ks when when three of us were heading heading one way and Ollie Ollie was heading a bit we thought he was a bit too close to the rocks and we were all a bit nervous but we ended up we ended up making it and we we're all pretty happy to get there yeah yeah I think we uh, I think I pulled up on the beach and we all sort of pulled our boats up and uh, and I said let's never effing do that again um, <laughs> as in let's not do those conditions again and uh, and and i think there was there was fierce agreement i think between sort of was from simon and uh, and joe and uh, and then ollie surprisingly checked up and goes that was great i'm really glad we did that and uh, and i and i looked at him like i was like with probably days and i was going what do you want about and uh, and he rightly said well we've had a real taste of bass straight so if we hadn't had that then we wouldn't have then it wouldn't be a trip and uh, and I didn't. I didn't acknowledge it at the time. I still thought he was an absolute madman, and it was an, he was an idiot. But uh, later on, I acknowledged that. Yep, he was. He was right. That was. Uh, yeah. Had it not been for that day, then then it would have been a pretty uh, a pretty sedate sort of crossing of bus. Great. So. I, also, I also think a general kick up the bum early on mm. makes you far less likely to get complacent, mm. and it's not a very nice place to. Uh, well, it's it's not the right place to be complacent. It really isn't. It uh, you know it, it, it's it's it changes real fast when it changes and and if you get carried away with how much wind you can handle, you can bet at some stage during the day there'll be an awful lot more wind than was forecast, um, and it might be for a while. Mm. So yeah, probably nothing wrong with getting getting a bit of a taste of it early on. Absolutely. And how'd yeah. you go as a team? Because I mean, I, I th- yeah like. I think that day we, we were all like we we all I guess we all had tough patches. We all went through like me personally. I'd I get seasick, and so I'd taken my seasick tablet, um, and I'd pushed. I think the last about four hours, and I'd pushed it to five and a half hours before I took an, took another one, and uh, and I was severely feeling the feeling the effects of sort of losing strength and just feeling sort of just really crappy, and uh, and sort of I took the tablet and sort of put a couple of drops behind my ears and all sorts of different things, and uh, and managed to sort of push through but uh but yeah and i think sort of joe you sort of you had a you had a rough patch after um, i did i had an out i i fell out first time i'd fallen out and um i was at the back and the wind was howling and you guys initially didn't didn't see me fall out and i i didn't roll up because i had the sail yeah up when i'd fallen out mm. um so I, I was out of the boat but managed to do my second successful re-enter and roll which was which was pretty good, and I, I kind of got back up by the time you guys could see me turn around. Yeah. yeah, happy about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, we all we all had some moments that day. But you know, I think once we landed, that was for me. That was when the boys' trip began, because we knew as soon as we got there that we're going to be here at least two days. Yeah, maybe three, and we just we just relaxed. Well, people, people whine about Hogan Island over the years. I always stuck it. I'm with you. I think it's it was phenomenal. Um, 
barren island. It's a it's dead set in the middle of nowhere. You can't see anything off it. Yeah, um, I was I was initially like yeah. when we we're planning when we we're looking at the forecast. I was initially dirty that I was going to end up on Hogan. I was like, oh, we really want to get a deal. Like it's got sort of a lighthouse and caretakers and forty k's of tracks. And that's where we wanted up. And uh, and I'm so glad we were on Hogan. Like it just it just became our like having us for having our entire entire island to ourselves oh, and, kings. And, yeah and and a bunch of penguins and uh, and fat geese and uh, <laughs> and just it yeah it was just it was literally just sort of yeah we had our own place and we could kind of just wander around and do what we needed to do. like we were, we were spearfishing we were uh we were cracking sort of fresh abalone off the rocks we were sort of yeah, yeah like we went wow. collecting firewood like we were just um, and there's no there's no tracks or roads or anything like it's just you've just got little tiny sort of basically penguin tracks everywhere that you sort of follow along and uh and they are and and they're funny little creatures like they have no care or consi- no care whatsoever about us like they would uh no they predators just, no they just come yeah. that you just you, they just come wandering past sort of if your tent was on their track they just wander sort of past through your tent or like sort of yeah i think simon tried one someone had one roll into his tent one night yeah <laughs> fell down the hill into him <laughs> might have been a bit drunk or something that penguin but uh yeah, it was just um, amazing, and uh, yeah, it was mm. yeah. And then the uh, I think the spiff will pre. We've been talking to the uh, the the straight yakkers with some a bunch of six guys from the surf coast, sort of who were who were on Erith, and that we were chatting to them before, like when they were out they were out on the trip, and we were sort of still in Port Walshpool, and uh, and they gave us the advice that. Uh, that, that they were losing lots of fishing gear with um, with getting caught on reef and reefs and rocks and seaweed and things and so um, see if you can get yourselves a spear gun and so uh, so we raced up to uh, Tralgan Tralgan and oh, uh, BCF yeah. at Tralgan that's a fair way yeah well we had nothing yeah. to do we were yeah, waiting yeah. for the conditions so yeah. uh, so we're road tripping and uh, and so we uh, yeah so we went up went up there and, and bought a spear gun and some fins $170 spear gun from BCF and uh and we thought this is going to be hard. There must be some skill you got to learn or something. We don't know, but honestly, it's point and shoot. Yeah. It's yeah. like well, especially the fish out there haven't seen a human. For, <laughs> for a while, so maybe it wasn't quite fair, but it wasn't hard. It was, Dead set the easiest it, place in the world to catch. It was fish. amazing. It was, uh, yeah, well, I think well, Joe Joe never spearfished, and we'd set the gun up, and he's and he's wandered off into the ocean, and come back about three minutes later with a foot long fish, and we're going. <laughs> How good's this? And the other boys, and so within 20 minutes, we had more fish than we could eat, basically, or, or just about like we, we had to call a stop to it. And yeah. uh, and so yeah, so the that was yeah, there was no shortage of people putting their hands up to have a spear after that, and uh, and it was just it was like an aquarium. It was like, what do you feel like eating? We yeah. quit, and, uh, and, well, I'm, a and le- I'm a leather jacket specialist. It turns out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not uh, not the best fish, no, the, not, not the best, best fish of the sea, fish. but uh, but we flat and easy to aim at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not a little skinny fish. And they don't get out of the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I think there was there was a there was talk of a of a of a who could catch the biggest fish competition at one point. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, so and there was there was no competition going on when you were stuck. There no, 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 no. And uh, and we, we and, managed to stop Ollie from shooting a shark because right. Simon and I wanted underwater with him and a, and a, I don't know be a four foot three and a half four foot shark swam right in front of the the trigger. And he was dead second to shoot this thing. Oh, right. And I was okay. picturing losing my spear gun and, you know, <laughs> only getting dragged out to sea or 
don't know what was going to happen, but we managed to stop him, which was I'm, good. Uh, I'm, I'm very thankful. I love that he, he, he was going, oh, well, I'll just shoot it and would have been, I don't know how we would have done with it, but, but we could have shot it. And I said, well, mate, imagine having a rav- ravaged dog on the end of a leash and you can't let go of the leash. <laughs> I said, that's what you get when you shoot a shark. So, yeah. uh, so I think happy, happy with the decision. Uh, and we were, very, we were actually very responsible with our spearfishing. We only ever shot what we could eat and, good. We, and we, we loved what we ate, so... Excellent. It was, um, uh, yeah, so, and it certainly uh, topped up our food stocks and, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it was some fantastic. It was great. Well, none of us are really fishermen, so it was a, it was a good experience in, uh, in, in catching fish, gutting fish, cooking fish, and then going, all right, this one doesn't taste so good, but we'll put a bit of sauce or something <laughs> on it and, and add to it, and, yeah, so. So for me, you've got about a 45K crossing to Deal Island and the, and the Kent Creek, which is three, three beautiful islands. You can, well, I know... From memory, you can actually see them. We could see them. Yeah, yeah, we could. Yeah. We had a clear day when we set off. Yeah, yeah. No, well, you could you could see it every day. It was it was yeah. It was kind of I don't know whether it was better or worse the fact that you could see where you were uh, <laughs> see where you were going all day. Um, but it was um, we sort of obviously there's the deal group like Hogan has there's one option for where to land or two options really, but really one option where you want to land. And uh, whereas the Deal Island group obviously has the you got you got sort of the the eastern side of Erith that sort of looks back at Deal, and then you've got sort of a number of different sort of coves and beaches on Deal Island itself as to places that you can pull up. And uh, and I think we we well obviously early in our planning we talked to you guys and you guys had sold Winter Cove to us, but then obviously been sort of These really facing, really yeah. cautious, really warning the court and. and Given us caution on respect in respect to the fact that if it's an easterly or a northerly sea at all, don't go there. Or if there's forecast because uh, because there's been lots of people who've been who've been stuck there and not been able to um, yeah stuck there and not been able to not been able to leave or not been able to get off in the swell. So, yeah, that's right. um, but uh, and we were actually we were we were pretty we we're, we're actually looking forward to going to Erith and sort of camping there, but. Uh, when we when we sort of looked at the looked at the forecast, looked at the conditions, and then looked at sort of knew that we were just basically we had an over we had a single overnighter there on deal. Um, Winter Cove just made complete sense, so we uh, yeah, so it was, and it was good conditions. It was blowing a westerly, like a calm it westerly. Was, it was just was the bay was glassy, and, and essentially it was yeah. about a sort of a, a three inch wave sort of crashing on the beach, and it was just <laughs> uh, it was just magical. So uh, so no, we were very happy with that, and then uh, and it was just a uh, it was the the. I guess our, our course for the for the day pretty much meant that we were about five k's north of Erith and Murray's Pass as we went past, um, just with the the way the tides and the current was going. So it meant that we didn't really get a, a good look from the kayak, but we uh, but we did end up hiking up to the you know, the caretakers, um, and and so from there you could just look straight down on Murray's Pass and see sort of Erith and, and Dover, and it was just a brilliant, yeah, sort of, just amazing. an amazing it's view. It's an amazing oh, spot, I'm, absolutely amazing. I'm glad no one can get there. Easily. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be wrecked, and it is a jewel. It's one of the most amazing places. Oh, the, those been. little potteroos, the yeah. little but, kangaroo top things—they're not yeah. re- not even remotely scared of you, just because they don't see people. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. But it is, I guess. But for us, it, it felt like we were back in a popular. popular yeah, it did, We'd been yeah. on Hogan to ourselves for for, for for three days, and suddenly we're yeah. sharing an island with other people, and um, and. And even talking to the caretakers, they've been there only for three weeks, and they said in the three weeks they've been there, they only had two days on the island to themselves. Yeah, it was just full of kayakers. Yeah, the caretakers. When we were there, I said to them, "Oh, what's the best thing about being here? Out here, it must be amazing." And they looked at me and said, 
The best part is when we're by ourselves. A <laughs> <laughs> social lot. Yeah. We may know, okay. But anyway, we'll be off now. We'll grab our cup of tea and we'll see you later. Yeah, I think, I think Ollie was quite upset that we, because we, we paddled, well, we'd paddled, what, 46k or something to get there. And then we walked the 4k's uphill to get to the, uh, to get to the caretaker's lodge. And I was like, yeah, surely they'll give us a biscuit. Like, they'll give us a biscuit. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> we're guaranteed a biscuit when we get there. We didn't get we didn't a biscuit. Get a biscuit. <laughs> We uh, we asked whether if they had fresh water, and we sort of we pointed to the tanks out the back, and that was about as much uh, as much hospitality as we were gonna as we were gonna get, which is fair enough. I didn't begrudge it, but think, it was just pretty. I think funny they've been looking Ollie, after kikers for a little while. Yeah, but yeah. pretty much. But it was just pretty funny after Ollie built up his, all his expectations, yeah. and, and he didn't get these biscuits. He, he so. wanted the slightest bit of a novelty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the next day after that, which is a, was at the big crossing. Yeah. That was when I feel like we. We got to really use all the navigation skills that um, that yourself and Rob and, and Tim, you know, taught us in the, in the preceding the, months. Especially the navigation skills I taught you. Well, <laughs> was, that, was, that, was that just to follow the person in front of you? Or? No, that was just, it's a big island. If you paddle hard, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> Whatever they're saying is probably fine, but don't forget, it's an athletic endeavour. Yeah, okay. so, yeah. so we didn't listen to anything you said, um, <laughs> but we listened a lot to what Rob and Tim said, and uh, we, we really did. We to do our planning, so we got our charts out. Um, we, we we got our GPSs out. We spent. We, I reckon we spent on average an hour and a half to two hours planning each day for, the night before, or, or sometimes two nights before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we, yeah, and I think we're sort of, I guess, being novices, I guess, and, and sort of being sort of four blokes who'd, who'd had sort of very limited experience. Well, never done a, I guess, a, an open water crossing and things like that before, um, and. It, we were, we we. I guess it was great that we did the, we did all of the. I guess the the training and the and the and the tutorials. I guess with Rob leading up to it together, um, and that kind of meant that when we were doing our planning, each of us kind of were able to challenge, push each other, and kind of ask questions and sort of um, and come to a, uh, come to a sort of essentially an agreement as to where we were. But like it was a like our process. I guess was was quite I guess standard. And essentially, essentially we would sort of kind of work out sort of how far it was and then sort of work out well what are we what speed are we going to average do we think and then work out well what time do what how long is it going to take and therefore what time do we think we're going to arrive and then what were the conditions going to be when we get to the you get the destination and then set our run line to basically make sure that we're never going to paddle sort of against the current or against the wind and uh and then sort of from there starting to work out sort of our current flows and uh, and um, and i guess the, the end outcome being that we would we would we had a I guess a, a GPS marker for every hour of our course, um, and so that way we could um, like we were we were not we were not sitting there staring at our sat navs all day. It was sort of you'd pull it out every hour or two hours and, and just sort of have a look and see how you're tracking against where the where the course is and, and sort of have pre knowledge I guess in the in your in the back of your mind that. If we are, if we were sort of, if we were to the, to the left or the right of our course, well, that meant that that was okay. Or, or that if we we're falling behind our marks, what did that mean when we we're going to get to our destination? Does that mean the current's going to change direction? Or all these sorts of things. So there was a lot of. I think we we probably took planning and the the navigation probably to the absolute limit of what we could possibly do, purely because we were so. 
sort of cautious about making sure we we got it right because we just uh, because we yeah given our inexperience we just wanted to, we'd wanted to make sure that and, we and I think the only friction that ever that ever appeared when we were doing our planning was when Trevor insisted that Simon calculate everything to two or three decimal places rather than just one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Simon was pretty unimpressed at times, but having to do everything to, to multiple decimal places. But I think, you know, I think I think I think he, I think when, when I when I when he gave me the one decimal places and then I showed him that we were a kilometre out from uh, from where we were meant to be, I think then he then he quickly went, oh, "All right." You, but uh, but yes, no. There was there was certainly um, there was certainly some non-believers at the at the beginning of our <laughs> navigation process. Um, but by the end of it, I think we're all uh, we're, we're all very, we all knew it had worked for us. Yeah, we all knew it had worked, and we're all very thankful. And uh, yeah. and and it's great that I guess the the technology nowadays have been able to have those those tools. I guess the, the yeah. GPS is and and obviously we've all got we've all got GPS watches, and so you could. So you could just sort of keep looking at your watch and sort of see how far we've gone, what time of day it is, how you're tracking it. And then you could sort of, and then you could plot, you sort of, and we can overlay and plot sort of our, our course against what we actually did. And you go, all right, well, that's, we've pretty much got that now, that now, that, okay, that's great. We're doing the right thing or, um, but if you read some of the early accounts of old pioneers, like Laurie Ford, the famous Tasmanian sea kayaker, no, any of that. Yeah. Just used to listen to a forecast on a two way radio. Five o'clock in the morning, have a look at the sky, work out their bearing, and off they'd go. Real pioneers. Yeah, mate, oh. I tell you. And they were pretty epic crossings back in the day. They took a long time, and they uh, they were, you know, incredibly brave doing it that way. And that's the only way they could do it. Yeah. So out of interest then, what was your, what sort of speed did you bank on? Uh, if we were just like if we were just paddling and didn't and didn't have uh, wind, it'd be sort of seven. 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 We said seven, seven, seven k an hour. Seven k's an hour is what we planned from the from when we before we left. That's what we said we were going to be doing most of the trip, and then so to, um, to, to paddle seven to average seven, you've really got to paddle about eight and a half because you stop on the hour. We would we were keeping our brakes pretty short. I think we were probably paddling at seven and a half to eight. Yeah, having brakes that were four or five minutes yeah, on the max, hour. Yeah, um, and I, but I guess what we found is by day three or four. We realised that you know if the conditions were favourable, we could probably average eight. Yeah. And you know we'd be pushing nine, nine and a half. You know, outside so they're, of the they're breaks. astonishing speeds historically. Yeah, and historically, I, I, I five think, k's an hour across there is a good going. I guess we don't. I feel like we don't know anything different. Like we've never paddled in a mirage. Well, well apart we, from one test paddle we did, but you know, I think we know that the boats that we got from. Expedition kayaks. We know the Ordex is a fast boats, but we haven't really got anything yeah. to compare it with, so it's hard to. But, but we can say. certainly, um, like I think there was, we had some other kayakers who sort of who were doing the trip at the same time as who we sort of camped with at Trouser Point, and yeah. uh, and it was quite a, amazing to sit the. We had the they had the two mirages, and we had the, the three Ordexes and the uh, and the Aurora, the yeah. Aurora, the, the first Aurora to cross <laughs> Bass Strait, yeah. and. Uh, well, first roar off the production line as well, but yeah, uh, but yeah so we're, and and you sort of and you could sort of sit them side by side and kind of look at and really sort of see the differences yeah. and the contrast in the thing and the uh and the, and the guys the mirages sort of were making comments so well, we can see why they're so fast and uh and yeah and sort of just because just the, the flat the flat bottom and the and yeah and lots of sort of lots of well, lots of attributes I don't even know anything about but I yeah. but yeah almost a, almost a different thing in some respect so um. So that, that, that's the, that crossing is the crux of it in a lot of people's eyes. Some people have done that crossing in 75 k's mm-hmm. and 16 or 18 hours. It's, it's been a bit of an epic for people. And I remember seeing the trace of you guys finishing it 
quite a bit faster than we did it actually. <laughs> I think we were seven hours fifty eight oh, or something yeah, like man. that. We we were Holy we realised we were on for under eight, so Trevor put the hammer down and last few Ks and, and, and got there under eight and I think it was a sixty four and a half Ks crossing it in was, the end. Yeah, no it was uh it was a like it was a uh, a f- I, I think it was a it was a good day. I guess it kind of encapsulated a lot of things that day because we, well, I had some issues getting started in the morning and then packing you my did. tent up and getting in the boat. And so I think Dick we the uh, day. yeah that's the day for trips. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, that one happened the whole trip. No, <laughs> that was my uh, that was my that was my one and only actually. And so uh, so yeah, that fourteen minutes cost me. And uh, but I must say though that the that I was the only one to I was the first one to realise. That holding the dick of the day was a was a basically get our jail free card, and you could do whatever you want from then on. <laughs> and, uh, it hadn't dawned on anyone else, and I certainly wasn't going to tell them before uh, before I was the recipient. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. I was once you once you had it, you were uh, yeah, you were fine. But uh, anyway, so I yeah, I was I was uh, I think I started fourteen minutes late, and I absolutely copped it. And uh, and then we had uh, and then. Uh, and then when we had, we had a, a few other minor little issues with someone else's boat, and so we sort of started the day about twenty five minutes behind time, which, for, like, which I guess doesn't seem like much, but we when we started the day, we start like well, it was a six a.m. launch. We knew we we're gonna we figured that we we're gonna average eight kilometers an hour. That's probably ambitious, but that's what we thought we we're gonna do, uh, which meant that we we're gonna arrive um, at Royden around two, um, and at three p.m. The current change, the current was going to change and start going the other way. So we knew we had about an hour window to essentially leeway. That if we didn't, if we didn't make it there by three, then we were going to be sort of changing plans and uh, and sleeping at Killer Cranky that night. So we um, so we started the day obviously twenty five minutes behind, and then uh, and at, uh, and probably as each hour mark at the eight a.m. mark, we were sort of 35 minutes behind and nine a.m. were 45 minutes behind and 10 a.m. were 55 minutes behind. And, uh, and we're starting to get pretty sort of starting to sort of starting to do the calcs in their head and go, well, we're really, um, we, we might be sort of having to do a re- full replan here and sort of work and change our strategy. And, uh, and we, our actual course, um, for that day actually went straight through the center of craggy rock. That was our course. Um, and, uh, I think someone in the group said, "Should we should we adjust so that we don't go through the middle of the rock?" And I laughed and I said, "Well, if we go through the middle of that rock, I'll be absolutely stoked." <laughs> I said, "There's no way that our plan that we can be that close to our plan." And uh, and as it happened, because we were behind time, we were um, the current had started to push back to the uh, back to the west, and so we were about 1.8 k's to the west of Craggy Rock when we went past, and so um, and so that was the trigger that um, that then we uh, that we changed we actually changed course. Um, so our, our, all of our crossings, we had one bearing for the entire day. So we would just stick to whether it be sort of one, one ten magnetic, one fifteen magnetic, one forty magnetic, whatever it was, we'd have one all day. Um, and that day, we um, we had to we made a we 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 worked out that we we'd basically sort of because we were fifty five basically an hour behind time that that meant we we're going to have an extra hour. In the um, before we get to our destination, so an extra hour of the current pushing us from east to west, um, and so we made the call. To, uh, I think to, to chuck on another ten degrees to the east to our mate to our course mm-hmm. or to our bearing, um, and that basically sort of to try and sort of straighten us up a little bit against the to compensate for what was happening. You're not um, sounding like novices. <laughs> well, no, honestly, but, but it was it was unbelievable because when we. When, when we got when we when the current did get us, well, yeah, well, I think well, we were the, rocketing. 
Yeah, well, I think we well, it was quite it was pretty funny part of this trip because we yeah. well, that was that was ten. We made that call to sort of to adjust, and I think at eleven. Well, we, also, also, because, we also decided we needed to pedal, we needed to paddle harder. Yeah, we need to pick up the speed. Funny. We need to pick up the yeah. pace. We yeah. need to, we need to pick up the pace, and so we got to about eleven. And uh, trip tri- 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 on the front, weren't we? we were, yeah, you and I sort of had our heads down, sort of just churning away, and uh, and we got to our eleven a.m. break, which we normally stop for it's about three or four minutes, and we've uh, and we've stopped, and uh, and Simon's sort of come palling up from behind, and and he's and he's going, oh, I can't maintain this pace, like we're pushing too many watts. This is this is ridiculous, and and uh, and I'm like, all right, Simon, no worries, have some to eat, and then uh, and then you go on the front, like it's always you guys sort of taught us in training, always sort of put the slowest paddle on the front, and that way everyone sort of just sticks behind them, and. Uh, so, anyway, so we put Simon on the front, and and I'm thinking in the back of my head, well, all right, well, at least now I get a bit of a race, and a bit of bit of respite, bit of rest, and I, and I don't have to, uh, and I, and it's a bit secretive because no one really, because I'm just because we're sort of stuck in behind. But uh, anyway, we start paddling, and Simon starts pulling away, and, and we sort of start picking up the pace, and we starts pulling further away, and we start picking up the pace, and <laughs> and before I know it, we're doing what ten and a half, eleven kilometers an hour, and Simon is just hammering and we're looking at each other just going what's going on like this is this is bizarre and uh and then uh, and then the yeah and then the, the wind picked up and we sort of when we got the got the sails up for a little bit and then uh and and it just sort of and then the current started to grab us and, and sort of everything started to sort of everything fell into place everything kind of started to fall into place express yeah, yeah, yeah it sort of just top. grabbed us and and so and so that sort of that I guess that thirty minutes that we'd sort of thirty plus minutes that we'd sort of that we that we'd lost earlier in the day just just started just coming back yeah. and uh, and then we sort of we put Ollie on the front because he was complaining yeah um, so he, he sat on the front for an hour and did a did a similar pace to Simon Smoked for an hour well. yeah, yeah. just uh, it then, just kept happening yeah, and, and before you know before we knew it we were almost around Cape Franklin and we're and yeah we're sort of. We're, we're back think, on schedule. Yeah, and we're sort of, and then I, I looked down to the watch, and it's I think it was like seven hours and twenty four minutes or something, and we're at sixty, just shy of sixty k's or sixty k's, and I've, and then and then uh, and then I know, then I've my brains tweaked, and I went, you know what, we could do sub eight hours here, and uh, <laughs> but so it's not a race. It's not a race. Nothing's ever a race, but uh, and I'm not the competitive one, but uh, anyway, so we've uh, so I've sort of. Sawned around to try and get some 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 support for it, and uh, and got some half-hearted. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And uh, and so I've started to pick up the pace, and we've started. Pick, and uh, and Ollie sort of goes, mate, I, I'm I'm spent. Like we are, I am cooked. Like which is fair enough. We've just paddled sixty k's yeah. and forty six k's the day before that. So we're sort of just over the uh, the the hundred k mark, hundred and five k's for two days of paddling, and uh, and uh, and then uh, and then I got the the green light to go. And uh, and decided to uh, and yeah, but uh, but we were that it looked like that it was sixty four k's was what I sort of had in my brain for the distance and uh, and I was watching Royden and as I was getting closer and the clock was running down and I was getting closer and the clock was running down and I, and it wasn't getting as close as it was meant to and I realised that it was probably further away than sixty four k's and uh, and then I thought if I get there and I haven't done eight hours and these guys. Um, and, the, and these guys, and, and I've left my mates behind, and I don't do eight hours. These guys are never going to let me live it down. Dick so, of the day, two days in a row. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I, I, I would have self-awarded. Yeah. I reckon. Even though, though he's just, <laughs> even though he's just said you can't get it two days in a well, row. Well, he would have been a self-awarded. Yeah, I reckon it would have been a self-award. But uh, but yeah. So uh, but anyway, we, it was just fantastic, and uh, and I think like I guess in our brains, like we'd I guess we were anxious. I guess the 
anxious from before the beginning about this crossing. Like it was, yeah. we'd, we'd heard about it, we knew about it, we'd, we'd heard about the 12-hour the, the days. We had completely anticipated that we were going to be in for something similar or, to, or sort of 15, 16, whatever hours of the day. And so to, to arrive on road and it sort of at like 25 or 30 past two, um, in the middle of the day, it and was it just was spectacular. Oh, Royden is amazing. I had no just, idea it was going to be so nice. Just so the water is just so blue and clear, and the, and the sand so white, and it was just amazing. Like just, I, I called Jackie when we got there and said, "This is just like being in the Sundays, except the water's a bit cold." Cold, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but amazing. I must say, like we weather-wise, like it was unbelievably warm though. Like we would, it was unseasonably like, warm, yeah. unseasonably warm. Like we were like sort of like rugged up at night, but like by eight in the morning, you're sort of, you wandering around and just your swimmers sort of thing, putting your load and stuff in your boat, mucking around going, this is like, yeah, just unbelievable how like, and yeah, yeah it was, we really sort of lucked in with the, uh, with the weather and the it's warmth. Astonishingly beautiful place. Yeah, yes. it really is. Yeah. We're just grateful. I'm grateful that it's so hard to get to, mm. Yeah, you know, so I, I reckon the day after that was probably the first day that we completely underestimated because it was a 33k paddle. We'd come off the back of doing, you know, several longer paddles. And coast we thought, paddle. Yeah, yeah, we thought it's a coastal paddle. It's so shorter. By, then, by this stage, you're, you're, you're alongside Flinders Island. Yeah. It's no, no longer crossing, no more long crossings. No. It feels like just a normal sea kayaking paddle. And, and, it's not, and we not, just didn't think it was going to be that hard. So we set off from Royden at a pretty sensible time of day. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't. I think we waited. We were waiting for the tide dark. to start running. So I think it was about ten a.m. or something. Yeah, it was, it was pretty really late. late for start for us. And we'd, um, I reckon, I can't remember exactly, but we might have been 10, 15 kilometres in, and it, it just became mind-numbingly hard because there was no wind, the sun was hot, the water was flat, and it, it was just hard. And we were tired. And at some point, I think it was Ollie first said. We should have a race to make this thing go faster. He saw a peninsula. He saw a peninsula about, yeah. and he goes, "Oh, that peninsula is about a kilometre away. Let's let's, uh, let's let's have a race. Let's have a race." Is and that oh, long, nice point. Is that long? I think it, long I think it was. And what and what? He, but he, he said he said, "Yeah, let's race to that point." And then and then we kind of talked about it a bit and said, "You know what? Let's let's make it one of these races where the race doesn't start until the first person goes." You know, so maybe the race will start 100 metres out from the, from so the like point. So like one of those Olympic cycling pursuit Yeah, exactly, like a pursuit race. Open. But maybe it'll start in, in 10 seconds. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so as you can imagine, four competitive blokes, I think it, you know. Well, I, I think, well, I, I sort of, I thought, you know what, I could probably just, if I could just sneak, like, sort of, if I could just sneak sort of like half a stroke every like 50 metres or whatever, and then I can sort of just, so just crawl away and then they won't even notice and then I'll just sort of peel off. And so I've, so I've started that strategy and I've sort of started peeling away and I started peel away and then I'm like, look to sort of have a little glance out of the corner of your eye and yep, no boats next, no boats to the right, no boats to the left. Okay, this is kind of working. I'm going really well and then I'm sort of, and then I've, and then I've sort of kept paling along and I'm going, oh, all right, sweet. I wonder how much sort of space I've made on like of this, whether I can just back off a little bit. I've turned around and there is just three boats perfectly lined up in my draft. <laughs> what <Watch riding. laughs> so, 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 so Trevor wasn't going to have a bar of that. So he, he very quickly peeled off. And then, and then I think basically everyone attacked. <laughs> so we had, it was a 6K, it was a solid 6K attack. And Simon, Simon got line honours. I think he did the 6K in about 26, 27 minutes. <laughs> To give you some idea, and Ollie and I were right on his hammer. Trevor got waylaid by a boat who wanted to desperately wanted to talk to him. Um, but there will be many sea kayakers around the world listening to this, of course, overestimating the listening audience for this podcast. 
who will be disgusted by that behaviour. <laughs> there is a theory that uh, it's not about the, it's not a race. It's, a, it's about the journey. Ooh, it's, and, part, it's all part of the journey. <laughs> my argument there is you see almost as much at five kilometres an hour as you do at eight kilometres an hour. I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. I think well, it's similar. At, at 12, 13 or 14 yeah. k's an hour, you still probably don't see as much. You probably... No. You're bleeding from yeah. your eyeballs at yeah. that point. <laughs> You're starting to only see your bow and a little blurry section on the outside, I guess. Yeah. That's, no, it's, that's hilarious. I, it's not something I recommend after 125, 130 k's of paddling in two and a half days to a to go an all-out sort of 6K no. sprint. And, uh, and, I was, and I was very glad to have been rounded up by a fishing boat to have a chat. And, uh, yeah, I, I almost paid him to, uh, to have to, for the 20-minute for the chat. But, uh, <laughs> so civilization, Flinders Island, amazing place. It's really amazing. Yeah. So, uh, we had some – so we, we – uh, I think – well, we, were, we, 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 plan, we always planned – we had planned early on that we are going to do the big crossing on Friday – because that was when the weather just looked like it was just going to be perfect. And then and then I think about a day or two later, we sort of realised that the Thursday was actually going to have a favourable sort of backwind. So that was sort of brought us forward. So suddenly we were... Um, and, then the, and then the idea of arriving in White Mark on a Friday evening, going to the pub Friday night on an Easter long weekend... Became just our sounded, goal. Just sounded, wow, yeah. how good would that be? Just fantastic. And then the, and the wind... And the, the forecast for the Saturday wasn't sort of super favourable. I'm like, oh, that'd be a shame we get stuck in White Mark at the pub for a couple of days, sort of get a bit of, bit, a bit, of, refresh, a bit of refreshment and cal- they serve, recover. They serve triples at the White Mark pub. Yeah, there's a problem well, with yeah, this area. So, uh, so anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, well, it's good Friday. Let's, um, I'll, call the, I'll call the pub and book us a table. Like just, and also I might let them know we're coming, like we're kayakers, surely like sort of, yeah, surely, the, surely they'll sort of want to look after us, blah, blah, blah. And bum, I, I called them and... Uh, and uh, and they don't open on a Friday, on Good Friday. Pub's closed. Pub's no closed. One closes. No one opens on Good Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially and, not on Flinders Island. Yeah, yeah. That's and right. uh, and then I and then I said, oh, have you got accommodation? And then she almost laughed at me and goes, you know, it's Easter long weekend on Flinders Island. Like, so uh, so instantly we're on road and I'm sort of going. So we've got no pub to drink at, and we've got nowhere to sleep other than our tents. I'm thinking civilization doesn't civilization sound so great, <laughs> great. And, uh, and so then I uh, so then I thought well surely there's another pub and sure and sure enough there's a, there is another pub on Flinders and it's uh, sure Lady is. Baron yeah. the tavern but it, uh, but then it happens to be about 30 kilometres away from uh, from side. White Mark so I did a quick look on the GPS and worked out that it was probably not feasible to paddle 65 cases to go to a pub and uh, no, long way out of your way <laughs> long way out of our way so then we um, so then we uh, so I booked the table and uh, and then um, and then lo and behold Ollie came through with uh, with the last hire car on on Flinders Island well when you say hire car I'm pretty sure it was the guy who owns the hire car company's wife's third car it was, some, it, was, it was a beat up old Corolla every, from every car on Flinders Island is that right is available for hire is at the right price <laughs> yeah yeah. I'm sure we paid overs, yeah, but yeah. And, th- and this thing had this thing had, yeah. had been around the clock a few times, but it was it got us across the island. It was better than my kayak, I can tell you that. Yeah, it got us across the island. We had a really good night at the pub at the tavern, tavern. yeah, and um, and then we camped next to the tennis courts across the road from the pub. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and we had a hot shower. Be- the most uh, the, the cleanest public toilet I've ever seen in my life. It was uh, yeah. It was something. Having not seen a toilet in sort of a week and a half, and not seen a shower in a week and a half, it was uh, 
we, we debated whether we're actually going to tell anyone that there was a hot shower there or not because um, it sort of takes away from the fact that we yeah from the trip but uh but no it was a uh, it was it's unbelievable. Over, it's overrated anyway. Showering on expeditions. I yeah. Like, I can't believe people who take the time to do it. I don't see the point. <laughs> My mate Chris James used to saw his toothbrush in half. And then by the time I finished paddling with him, he just didn't bother taking it. Yeah, fair he enough. He just said, well, it's just wait. Don't need to brush my teeth. They're not going to fall out. I'm only away for two weeks. Yeah. Who cares? He was, he was certainly not in our expedition. I don't think there was any shortage of weight. And, uh, and there was, it, it, was more, it was more a determination of how much stuff we could fit in the boat as opposed to how much weight it was going to be. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit, <clears throat> maybe next time we'd do differently. So we went to sleep that night with, Rob, uh, with Rob's voice in our ears. There's only two <laughs> types of kayakers. Uh, who paddle yeah. the bass straight? Mm. And um, the ones who climb stress lucky and the ones who don't. Yeah, yeah so. so we got up bright and early in the morning, um, stuffed our faces at the local community charity fundraiser. Yeah, the, one, the once a year yeah. annual charity fundraiser at the community hall, which just happened to be the day that we were there for, we, for breakfast. We nailed that. Absolutely. And, um, and then uh, we went to Stres Lucky and um, I mean, it became a race. It was basically a race up to the top. <laughs> Um, 20 minutes of stupid photos at the top which I'll show you after we turn the video off or the yep. podcast off and then and then um, then it'll race back down again and you know the funny thing was I got back to Sydney four or five days six seven days after that um, and about 10 days after that was when I could go downstairs because my legs still oh, were busted yeah. that was the my legs were sore from that oh, up mate. and down Streslecky than they were from, from as the I paddling. say shall we climb Streslecky that actually means you have to use your hands that's a, it's a it involves hands. It does. No, and it does. on the way back down, it, it does. Yeah, I did my ankle. Yeah, oh, well, I did no. my ankle on the way down. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had I, mm. my knee. My knee blew up and have never blown up before. But uh, yeah. but yeah, but what's it? Seven hundred and fifty meters of elevation with a, over, over three, three and a half kilometers or something. Like people train, people train for it. For, I, I didn't realize it was a thing. And then after I climbed it as well, I had a look on you know social media, and there's people standing atop, fists raised, a year of training, and we did it. <laughs> <laughs> me and Bob Turner walked, wandered up there in our teethers. Yeah. <laughs> Half pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it is a bit of a, it is a bit of an achievement. It's a lovely view, apparently. No, no, it was spectacular. Yeah, we were I can there. tell you that. Yeah, we've got yeah, some. Is, yeah. yeah, you can show me your photos because all I saw was, I could just see the back of my hand. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. It was, uh, we couldn't, we couldn't quite see Tasmania, but, uh, but otherwise it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You could see all the way back up to, uh, to Royden Island and everything. It was yeah. just fantastic. So. Really, uh, yeah, really special. And then we had a night at Trousers Point that night. We did a very short paddle. Yeah, the next day we did a short yeah, paddle. That, the next day, I think we, I think Lovely we all agree that was that was our our. our I'm going to call it the legitimate first day off, which was. Yeah. And then by that, we paddled an hour and forty minutes or something to Trouser, and yeah. then uh, and then we pulled up on the beach, and we uh, and we set up the shelter, and we got our chairs out, and we just and we cracked open one of the many bottles of wine that we bought on Flinders and then uh, and just chilled out for the day and, yeah, uh, and didn't do anything. It was just unreal. It was just great to have a beautiful, part, beautiful, absolutely stunning part of the world. Mm-hmm. So and, you had two, uh, two paddle days from there. Yeah, two paddle finish. days, yeah. One to spike and then one to finish. And I guess the, the spike day, we had a tough day. That was the day um, That was the day we decided to set off really early just to try and get the currents right. And, and we set off... Like probably a little bit too early in hindsight because it was still really dark and there was no moon and just you know had sort of waves crashing over the boat so we turned around 10 minutes in and went back to the beach and waited until the sun came up and then set off again 
Uh, but consequently, we ended up with the with the current pushing us backwards for the last I don't know ten k's of the day. Yeah, last and, um, hour and a half of just of just slogging into the into the current, which was yeah, I, I, current, which... I remember Ollie saying at one point, um, I thought he said, I thought he said my soul's broken. <laughs> Turns out he said something else, but I think that's what I heard because that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, but we I, I, we got to the end of that day and we went, that was incredibly tough. Well, and then uh, and then I dawned on me that I was like, did you guys know that we drank a liter of scotch last night and three <laughs> bottles of wine? Yeah. And we woke up at three fifteen this morning to yeah. paddle. I was like, it's probably had something to do with why we sort of had a really tough day. A few but, contributing factors there. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, <clears throat> that combined with a travelator to finish, and uh, yeah, 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 and then you've got the big, uh, the you know the other the real crux sometimes the nastiest bit of water I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, no, well, I feel like we didn't we didn't see what you saw. Yeah, like when, well, but, we didn't we didn't well, really see it on its day either. But yeah, it, it, I guess the best way to describe it is a about a twenty five kilometre wide river flowing river that changes direction mm. every six hours and and changes direction fast really fast it doesn't doesn't it doesn't muck around yeah. it's it's sort of twenty minutes and it's going the other way and it's, if the wind comes up under it at either point you end up with a fairly nasty yeah. little bit of water yeah. in the middle so I think we'd well, we'd that night at Spike Cove I, I climbed a, a boulder on Clark there and got up the top and got some phone reception to check out the forecast and I I came back down to the guys at the fire and I said. Boys, there's never been a better day to cross Bank Strait than tomorrow. Like there was like I think it was 0.3 meter swell and about a sort of a five or six knot sort of wind from the east in the afternoon. Otherwise it was just um, and I yeah, I as we're paddling across, I waited till we got pretty much to the end before I was game enough to even call it, but I was like, this is Swan Lake. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. I mean I guess the only thing is the water is still moving sideways at you know, four, six, four seven kilometers an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really moving. So you've got to, still got to get your navigation right and have a good plan. But, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better day for the last one. Yeah. And I think, and like, I guess, like, once again, we sort of, we, like, we relied so, I guess, so heavily on the, I guess, on the information and advice we got from sort of yourself and Rob and, and Rob's advice to paddle sort of follow Clark all the way along until you get to that sort of furthest tip, closest yeah. sort of most southern tip there. And we, so we got up and paddled all the way along there and we pulled up on the beach. We got we, there uh, early. <laughs> yeah, we got there early and we pulled up on the beach because we, I guess Elizabeth we... Elizabeth Cove or Elizabeth? Uh, yeah. Elizabeth Point or something? Is yeah. It or something? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. But, uh, but yeah, like, well, I think we'd... Well, obviously, sort of for the crossing, we wanted to be... We wanted to be in the dead centre of the crossing at, at change the tide, tide, yeah, at the tide, tide. change. And, uh, and fortunately, the day we were doing the tide change was at 12pm. Like, it couldn't possibly yeah. be any better for right. us. And so... And we knew... We, we expected an hour and a half to get to the centre and an hour and a half to get across to the other side to, uh, uh, to Little Mosserow. And so, so it was a 10.30. We knew we needed to push off at 10.30 to start the, uh, to start the crossing. And so we sort of we pulled in this little cove, this beach at about 9.45 and had about 45 minutes of just wandering around and sort of having something to eat and having a chat and mm. kind of sort of contemplating that this was the last day and this was yeah. it. And, uh, and then we yeah, jumped in the boats about 20, 20 past 10 and sort of got out there and sort of, we're all ready to go about ten thirty, and then it was then it was on, and uh, and we sort of just powered across, and then we had our uh, had our break at twelve, and had a bit of a like just a little bit of a muesli bar and a break, pulled out the GPS, and you could it was amazing that you could actually see that like because we were holding the same bearing the entire for that entire day, 
But so, and you could already see that we'd started to come back. So that the the tide change must have been at about eleven forty five or something like that. And it was just bang on, and and already it started to just completely turn and started to run the other way and started to pull us back towards uh, back to the west. And so, um, yeah, and so we just sort of c- continued on, and uh, and then we got near Swan Island, and what was and well, yeah, we got we got close to Swan Island. It was probably the first time the whole trip we decided just to. Just to point and shoot, you know, point to where we know we want to go because it's way off to the right. That's what Owen's five kilometres from home. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we pointed and shot to a little muscle road and well, then realised that the current was just going to... Too strong. ...was just going to pull us straight into Swan Island. So we yeah. went back to our original course and, and then it was pretty much it was pretty much straightforward after that. I yeah, they still... I had a mate, Kevin Kelly, in a couple of days ago talking about your crossing, actually, and he did it uh, the same year we did it a few weeks earlier with a couple of friends and he took... Three hours to get from Swan Island to Muscle Row Bay, five kilometres. Oh, because wow. he was going the wrong way. Because he was going the other way. Oh, yeah, he wow. said he just couldn't believe how strong it was and how hard it was. I think I think we would have sat in Swan and waited. I, I, I yeah, don't think like, we would have tried. Uh, well, I think that even even when we were even when we were probably only half a kilometre off the little Muscle Row, sort of that little the, the little entry, we were still still concerned that we were going to miss it, sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's it is like you are you are paddling sort of at the beach. And watching the beach just zoom by, kind of thing, and you just it's go, really quick. This is yeah, and you, and you sort of and yeah, and you see so you putting in putting in some some hard strokes just to sort of get yourself edge yourself close to that beach because you mm. just you just didn't want to miss uh, miss the entry there, and uh, <laughs> and it's not even even with the GPS, it's not the easiest sort of entry to find, like because of it because it's such a small inlet, it sort of just dis- like when you're looking at it from distance away, the beach just looks like it runs all the way out to the point. And then it's around the point. And you're thinking, oh, is it around the other side of that point? And you're sort of trying to work out exactly where you're finishing. And then, uh, then it wasn't until you probably, yeah, probably a kilometre or two away that you can actually see the entry. And then you're going, wow, that's where we really need to get to. And uh, and and it was, yeah, it was sort yeah. of a, a bit of a. So yeah. imagine on a wild day with the wind coming up the other way. So oh, the running sorry. joke that day was, um, remember the windmill. Because I think yeah. you'd said to Ollie yeah. or someone, you know, something about a windmill, and that was the only Generates. information we knew. Mm. And the thing is, when you when you look at a little muscle row, there's about a hundred of the things, mm. all spread <laughs> up and down the coast over about a thirty kilometre range. So yeah, we knew something about a windmill, ones. but we didn't know which. We didn't know if we were supposed to aim for a particular one. Yeah, well, any of them. Any too. of them. Yeah, <laughs> okay. As long as you paddle hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> You'll end up on the land. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they're, they're all in Tasmania. <laughs> if you land them and paddle hard, you'll soon be in Tasmania. <laughs> might, not be, might not be the part of Tasmania you are hoping to get to, but mm. you will definitely wander ashore right, we're in Tasmania. In Van yeah. Diemen's land. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the funny thing was, the overwhelming thing for me when I when we first landed was was not was not really it was relief that I could I could stop paddling. I'd actually if <laughs> I'm honest, I'd had enough paddling. You know, I was done. I, I was I was bit desperate for the trip to not end. Like I, I didn't want to go home. I was still having so much fun. Yeah. I obviously missed Jackie, but I, I I didn't I wasn't really finished with the trip. But I'd had enough paddling and I was so glad to be able to stow the stow the paddle away and just walk ashore and call it Yeah. Done. Done. It's a um, it's a strange place to finish such a like you've been to so many magical, beautiful places along the trip, and then to pull into Little Musaroe Bay, and we were there on just after low tide, and it's just this sort of little tiny stream in the middle of a big, massive mud flap, and uh, sometimes there's a surf landing in there too. Well, there, there was less fanfare than we were expecting. The yeah, welcoming yeah. party had obviously. Yeah. <laughs> 
I obviously hadn't gotten the message that we were coming. So, uh, Sydney Morning Herald went They weren't there. There oh, was no, no chopper. It was, it was, there was threats of Channel 9 helicopter coming throughout the trip, but, uh, but it, it wasn't was, there. It didn't eventuate. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we, we uh, yeah. made yeah. a short Trevor's mate actually came and met us there. He's um, part owner of a brewery, so he... He came Wild, fully yeah. stocked. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he owns um, a part owner of Wildflower Brewery in, in um, Maryville. Yeah. And, oh, uh, right. But okay. he, he lives in Tassie, and so uh, so my, my instructions were, well, my requests were, mate, I know it's five hours, uh, so it's a long way to drive, so I completely appreciate if you don't come. But if you do come, can you bring two eskies full of beer? He did. And uh, preferably uh, some Tasmanian beer. So to his, to his credit, he, uh, he stopped it pretty much most of the little breweries and bits and pieces yeah, on the way up and turned wow. up with uh, with two eskies full of uh, Tasmania's finest and then brought some of his own beer as well and uh, and his two boys with him and uh, Thomas and Henry and uh, and yeah we had a big fire going and uh, and had a fantastic evening yeah. just to, oh, just awesome. to sort of finish the trip Great so way to finish it was just the trip. Yeah, yeah just unbelievable so uh, yeah. lots of uh, yeah just good to uh, to. Good to have someone else there to reshare the stories with as well that we'd yeah. all obviously lived. So it was good to sort of yeah. be able to sort of download a bit of the trip and yeah. And you had Ben from uh, Next Level Kiting. Yeah, lovely bloke. Great guy. Lovely yeah. bloke. Come and got all the boats. And we we weren't we weren't we weren't super sure that he actually he actually knew Tasmania because we were navigating for him on the way back to Hobart but, <laughs> um, down dirt roads in the middle of nowhere. But Ben's an absolutely lovely guy. Yeah, so lovely um, guy. If he hasn't sold them on eBay by now, we, we expect to get them back in the next few weeks. That's a nice option for people who are doing it in the future. If they know Ben can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, we drive their boats back. Honestly, oh. if do yeah. the do the research yourself, but you'll find that it's much easier than, yeah. than trying to get your boats onto the Spirit of Tassie or something because oh, yeah, it's absolutely. it's costly and you're impossible. Yeah, no, we yeah, we, yeah as Joe said, we, that was probably the most stressful and most planning bit of the trip was trying to work out how to, the logistics of getting back. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you, yeah, do you, do you send someone over the car and do they wait there and how long do they wait there? if you guys turn up and then do you and then how, what date do you book to get the spirit back and then the yeah. spirit was sort of quite strict about our boat limits and it's pretty it hard work sort of, yeah it was all really hard work and then um, and then fortunately Joe found Ben and, uh, and it kind of just um, yeah and he was quite helpful and accommodating and then it just all fell into place so uh, to yeah. get picked to get picked up drop off give your boat over to Ben and then uh, get dropped off in Hobart and um, to the airport and then uh, and then your boat turns up sort of a month later in Sydney. That's yeah. just fantastic. So well, he might not want to do it again, but if he well, does, <laughs> oh, he might be listening to this in person. But you uh, might be, you yeah. know. But um, yeah, I mean, what a great service. Yeah. So there you go. So dead set novices to crossing, you know, a body of water that is written in folklore and Australian history, and you know, justifiably, you know, justifiably a place that demands respect from any mariner. Oh, absolutely, mm, hell of a tale. What uh, did you? Was it what you thought? It was. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't actually know what I thought beforehand. I like. I guess I. I expected a battle, and I expected some really sort of tough trying conditions. And I think we probably we got a bit of taste of that on day two. But otherwise, we had sort of unbelievable conditions. I think like we. Yep. Um, really sort of, like there was obviously a lot of waiting around, and there was a lot of sort of um, like we we were. I guess quite strategic. I think we sort of, before we started, we kind of had earmarked, looked at the 10 day forecast and kind of earmarked what day we wanted to cross, what day we wanted to do the big crossing between Deal and, and Flinders and kind of essentially just were filling in the days before that to work out how to get there. And the same for, ba- for Bank Strait, working at what day we wanted to cross Bank Strait and, and then scheduling our, our paddles and our days leading up to that. So I think sort of we were quite strategic, but I think still we, we absolutely lucked in with the, 
with the weather given like the two weeks before was just blowing easters and I think a couple of days after we finished there was the the monstrous seas that, yeah. uh, that were that were that were bashing the spirit of Tasmania. Maybe we that. And uh, so yeah. with all that awesome preparation, you got lucky. Yeah, yeah. Train hard, get lucky. Yeah. Is that what they say? Yeah, that's what they say. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I look, for, for yeah. me, it was. I, I was similar to Trevor. I was probably expecting to get really battered a few more days than we did. We only got really battered one day, but um, but the islands and the whole experience was was uh, was probably better than I was expecting. I didn't realise how beautiful it was all going to be. And and how and how close we we're all going to get the four blokes and how much fun we we're going to have. So, yeah, it was. It and was, a sex toy. And it, well, I didn't bring that home. <laughs> so Simon brought his family heirloom home with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, listen, awesome. It's a great tale. It, it, I'm, I've, you know, I, as I said earlier, it caught people's imagination with you being so raw and and you know un- inexperienced. And I don't know if there was as many people wishing you well as death riding the whole thing <laughs> um, who'd had a go themselves and failed or but um, but it, it definitely had people talking at a big event we were at and uh, you did it in great style I mean Rob, Rob always says your trips should should you know you should do them safely um, hopefully get where you want to get to and then come back better mates than when you left yeah I think tick 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 yeah definitely for us anyway we, we yeah. certainly came back good mates so yeah no, I've, I think I think had a few other mates sort of go, trying to talk me into doing it again one day. And I'm like, <laughs> no, my, it won't my, be the same. My answer is never again. Um, <laughs> Hillary, I only climbed Everest once, mate. Yeah, no, um, I'm. Uh, I, yeah, no, and that, they go, why, why, why would you? Uh, why do you say no and never again? And I said, well, I think it's the. For us, it was the the six months of just intensive sort yeah. of just like we're out paddling four or five days a week um, and just trying to knock down as many kilometres as possible. It was the. The, the the blanking out of I guess a month of yeah. annual leave and, and and of your life of March April to say this is when we've got to go and and this is the weather could change and this could happen and and the risk of like there was there was certainly some discussions in Port Welshpool about when do we just when yeah, do we when go we home call it, when do we go home because how long we can't sit here mm-hmm. indefinitely we've got to, we've got to at some point go back to our lives and back to our jobs and and the and, and the yeah and obviously sort of the the, the Conceding that the defeat, I guess, of, of that was, was sort of something that we sort of discussed, and uh, kind and of then, nice to have something that makes you just think about the weather as your biggest stress. Yeah, isn't absolutely. It? Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? just all consumed with yeah. what's the forecast. You know, the funny thing is, since we got back, I realised today when I was at work, and um, I realised it's pouring outside that I haven't looked at the weather since I got back, <laughs> and I think it's just because I studied it so closely for that two or three that three weeks. So finally, are you are you sea kayakers now? Do you reckon? I don't know. Maybe give it a go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I am looking forward to getting the boat back and just going out yeah, um, to Port no. Island with Jackie and um, doing an overnighter. I think we yeah. are. I don't know. Yeah. Are you I, don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. I don't know. I, I think we talked about this. But we talked about this on the trip as well. That like sort of being pigeonholed. It's like, do you call yourself a triathlete because you do a you do you a, a triathlon? You do a triathlon every know. month, and you go, no, I don't. Do you call yourself a runner? Do you call yourself a kayaker? I, I guess. I or you could sort of surf or whatever it may be, but I, uh, I my my kayak certainly not going on eBay and it's certainly getting kept and uh, and I'm yeah. and I am actually missing it and I'm looking forward to uh, just going out and paddling. I'm looking forward to being able to pick and choose my days of going out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
and, uh, uh, and not been it's yeah. Saturday I need to do 40 k's it's three meter swell out there and, and 30 knots I don't care I need to go through I need to go paddle 40 k's it's more like well it doesn't look very nice out there today I'll just give it a miss or, yeah, or, be nice. or there's a big down window let's go do a down window and don't have to paddle back against it because that's good training um, yeah, car at each end yeah maybe car at each end like, maybe time to buy a surf ski yeah, yeah. So, nice, yeah. Mm. so yeah so there's a, I, I, yeah so in answer I don't know but uh yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jackie, as well. Nice night, a couple of beers, nice pizzas, and a hell of a tale. Really, hell of a tale. Oh, thank you. Mate. Thanks, mate. Th- thank you very much to uh, to both you and Rob. Like, it was this this trip would would never have I'd never have got off the ground if it hadn't been for that initial discussion with you, and also just the 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 support and ongoing engagement with both mm-hmm. yourself and Rob, and like um, just yeah, just the availability, just that. Pick, anytime we call you pick up the phone sort of chat for 20-30 minutes just wanted to just you just you guys are just so enthusiastic about what you do and you just mm-hmm. you just love it and uh, and it's and it's uh, yeah it's just um, it's just fantastic oh, so really really sort of yeah can't say thank you enough to you and Robin and your commitment to our to our trip and our journey and and, um, and allowing us to sort of have this experience so thank you so you never never say no to someone who's got a good adventure planned I say yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I, uh, I, my my kayak's certainly not going on eBay, and it's certainly getting kept. And uh, and I'm yeah. and I am actually missing it. And I'm looking forward to uh, just going out and paddling. I'm looking forward to being able to pick and choose my days of going out and, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and not being. It's yeah. Saturday. I need to do forty k's. It's three meters swell out there and, and thirty knots. I don't care. I need to go through. I need to go paddle forty k's. It's more like, well, it doesn't look very nice out there today. I'll just give it a miss. Or yeah, or, be nice. or there's a big down window. Let's go do a down window and don't have to paddle back against it because that's good training. Um, yeah, car at each end. Yeah, maybe car at each end. Like, maybe time to buy a surf ski. Yeah. yeah. So, nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah. So a, I, I, yeah. So in answer, I don't know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jackie, as well. Nice night, a couple of beers, nice pizzas, and a hell of a tale. Really hell of a tale. Oh, thank you. Mate. Thanks, mate. Th- thank you very much to, uh, to both you and Rob. Like, it was this, this trip would, would never, have, I'd never have got off the ground if it hadn't been for that initial discussion with you and also just the, the, the support and ongoing engagement with both mm-hmm. yourself and Rob and, like, um, just, yeah, just the availability, just that, that any time we call you, pick up the phone sort of chat for 20 30 minutes just wanted to just you just you guys are just so enthusiastic about what you do and you just mm-hmm. you just love it and uh, and it's and it's uh yeah it's just um, it's just fantastic oh, so really really sort of yeah can't say thank you enough to you and robin and your commitment to our to our trip and our journey and and, um, and allowing us to sort of have this experience so thank you so you never never say no to someone who's got a good adventure planned i say yeah, yeah. good on you thank you <laughs> thanks mate